0: can you identify? Can you identify with that struggle, right? There's something that you want, there's something that you don't want to do. And, and we all have those areas of our life, don't we? Those areas where we're just, we, we struggle to, to exercise self-control. And yet that is one of the, the characteristics, one of the character qualities that God is seeking to develop and display uh, through each of our lives. And, and for some of us, there areas of our life where self-control comes so easy. It just seems like that it's no problem. We don't understand why anybody would struggle with that. And then there are other areas where it it, it can become so challenging along the way. And yet, if we're going to be the men and the women that God has created us to be... If we're going to fulfill the purposes that God has for our lives, self-control is central. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit that we're studying this summer. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in some ways, self-control is almost like the thumb on your hand, that it touches all the other fingers. It touches all the other fruit in our lives. One of the challenges is, though, we're talking about leadership and the Global Leadership Summit. What many of us find is the most challenging person for us to lead is ourselves, that leading ourselves can sometimes be one of the greatest challenges along the way. Harry Truman put it this way, in reading the lives of great men, I have found that the first victory they won was over themselves. Self-discipline with all of them came first. And because it's Father's Day and and many of us learn self-control, saw it modeled perhaps through our fathers, we wanted wanted us to kind of move this up in the the order of the fruit of the Spirit and take a look at this today because it is such a central characteristic in our lives if we're going to be who God wants us to be. One uh, education researcher put it this way. He said, if you want your children to succeed in life, don't focus so much on self-esteem, focus on self-control because when that when they gain self-mastery self-control it catalyzes so many other powerful things in their life self-control can be defined as a mastery of our lives this includes a mastery of our words actions appetites passions time and money and again, it may be that even as you look at a definition or a description like that, you say, well, well, some of those, some of those come pretty easy. Some of those are a little more difficult for me along the way. Sometimes we get amazed at, at an athlete who who's, seems to be so self-disciplined and self control when it comes to their, their, their craft, their sport or whatever. It seems like they exercise such self-discipline, self-control over here. But then you come over here to this section of their life and it's like, it's a disaster. I mean, the finances or relationships or whatever, and it's kind of like, how can that be? But then I realize that's all of our stories, isn't it? That's all of our stories. We have areas where self-control can be a tremendous challenge for us along the way. Paul said, you know, there are things that may be lawful for me, but not all those things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by Anything When we come to self-control, it's not always about good and bad. Sometimes it's about good, better, and best, isn't it? It's about, God, what are the best things that I need to to be focused on in my life? Maybe what are some of the things that aren't technically uh, unlawful or immoral, but they're not your best for me to become the man, to become the woman that you created me to be, fulfill the purposes that you have for my life. And that requires self-control control As we think about self-control, there are different schools of thought on how you gain self-control. One of them we might just call the sheer willpower. The sheer willpower, this is self-directed self-control. And let's begin by saying, uh, as human beings, uh, we have an incredible capacity, right? There there have been tremendous things that have been accomplished just through sheer willpower, that self-directed self-control. It's part of what God has designed in us as that image of God. And even when it's scarred by sin, we can can get tremendous things done through sheer willpower. But there's always limits to that. There's limits to sheer willpower. It begins to kind of dissipate over time. We kind of only have a certain amount of it and it begins to to drain us uh, even even through the course of a day. One of the ways that's uh, been helpful for me to think about and to describe it is in terms of a beach ball have you ever held a beach ball underwater right you've done that in the swimming pool or in the lake or the ocean or whatever and you you're holding that beach ball underwater and at first it, you know you got control right you got control of that thing and it, it's sitting there all right maybe you're using that hand maybe one hand two hands maybe you're sitting on it i don't know but you're keeping it under control but eventually something happens right you get distracted you shift your hand or something and what happens that ball comes ripping up through the through the side and up to the surface right And that sometimes is how the exercise of sheer willpower works. We we, we exert tremendous willpower, kind of keeping control of something. But maybe it's an area of our life or maybe it's something we we lose focus on and and it slips just a little bit and that that lack of of self-control just comes ripping to the surface of our life and sometimes explodes with disastrous consequences. There's sheer willpower that is self-directed self-control that's not what the scripture is talking about that's not what paul talked about in galatians 5 when he talked about the fruit of the spirit is self-control what paul was alluding to there was not mere sheer willpower but it was surrendered willpower this is spirit directed Control. This is control that is enabled by God's Spirit. It's it's self-control that God allows me to exercise in my life through the empowerment of His Holy Spirit. Jerry Bridges writes about it this way. Self-control is not control by oneself through one's own willpower, but rather control of oneself through the power of the Holy Spirit. That it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, we have to be surrendered. Rhonda Kelly wrote about it this way. The key to gaining self-control is yielding control of self to the Holy Spirit. That I am going to yield control of myself to the Holy Spirit. And when I do that, he enables me, he empowers me to exercise self-control in various areas of my life. But in order for that spirit, the directed self control, that, that surrendered uh, willpower to be exercised and available in my life, there are some things that have to be in place. These are kind of foundational pieces. The first is I have to know Jesus Christ, it's knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. And Savior uh, of surrendering to him, my past, my present, my future, that, that, that I come to him and acknowledge my need and his perfect provision through the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and when that happens, there is a transaction that takes place. Paul says in Ephesians one, in him, when I am in him through faith, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, you and I are sealed when we come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and we hear the truth of the gospel message. When we believe in that, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit now is in us and enables us and empowers us to exercise self-control. So foundational to surrendered willpower is knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. One of our hopes and prayers, week by week, is that you will come to know. Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Maybe this is your first time here and we we would hope uh, and we would be delighted to talk to you more about how to become a follower of Christ. Already this summer we've seen many give their lives to Christ through vacation Bible school. Countless folks gave their lives to Christ as our team was in Cuba sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That can be your story today as well. Knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But not only knowing but nurturing nurturing our relationship with christ is foundational to spirit directed self-control nurturing that relationship with christ jesus had this imagery in john 15 of the vine and the branches and it ties in so well with the fruit of the spirit that god wants to develop in our lives i am the vine jesus said and you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing that, that it is in that relationship with Christ that as I nurture that relationship, as I stay connected to the life-giving relationship of Jesus Christ, that, that he develops and displays the fruit of the Spirit, including that fruit of self-control in my life. And so I have to know him. I have to nurture my relationship with him. But even out of that, I, I would just say for some of us, we, we need to even go one more foundational piece further and that is simply this maybe we need to allow god to help us to do some examining examine the heart issues are the root causes in our lives maybe our prayer needs to be the prayer of the psalmist search me O oh god and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In fact, I'm just going to push a little bit here. For, for some of us in the room, if there's an area of our life where, quite honestly, we keep coming back and we say, I struggle with self-control in this area, and it has kind of been a habitual pattern in my life, and, and, and I know Christ, and I'm seeking to nurture that relationship with Christ, but maybe there's something I, I don't want to do, and I keep doing it, or something I want to do, and I just can't do it. I, I would say this third foundational piece might be essential for you, just to go before the Lord and say, God, what's up with that? I mean, I keep pounding my head on this same thing. I keep running into this same wall, right? Why? What's going on inside of me? what are some of the heart issues? Maybe it's something from my past. Maybe it's something I haven't dealt with or processed well. Maybe it's just some habitual patterns that that, that I just need to identify and break. God, what, what are some of the things that are inside of me that are causing me, that are at least contributing to me not getting... A handle on this area of my life of keep doing what I don't want to do or not doing what I want to do in this area of my life. And so as you know Christ, as you nurture your relationship with Christ, examine the heart issues or the root causes in your life that's foundational that's foundational to this thing we're calling surrendered willpower our spirit directed self-control when those things are in place though then you and I have a responsibility and I hope you're starting to see that pattern as we go through the fruit of the spirit it's something that God desires to develop and display through me but I have a responsibility to cooperate with that I have a role to play in cooperation with that and that's where where I really want to spend the bulk of our time this morning how do i cooperate with god in exercising self-control in my life and to do that i want to take you to a passage it's first corinthians first corinthians chapter 9 Paul is uh, drawing on an athletic imagery and it it just works so well in this whole area of of self-control and self-discipline. It is an imagery that would have made a whole lot of sense to the Corinthians because not only would they have been familiar with the Olympic games but they and particularly in that region of the world had another set of uh, athletic contest of uh, Olympic type games called the Isthmian games and the Isthmian games were right there in Corinth and so this imagery would have very much spoke to that culture. In verse 24 of uh, chapter 9, 1 Corinthians, look at the words of Paul. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's a lot there in that text, so let, let's look at maybe some of the lessons we can learn from, from Paul here in this imagery. First of all, exercising self-control or cooperating with God in that begins with a vision. It begins with a vision. Did, did you notice he, he talked about the fact runners are running? they're not just kind of out running around enjoying the scenery. They have their eyes on a prize, right? They're they running because they want to win the race. They're running because there's a wreath that they want to get. That would have been kind of the equivalent of a gold medal in our day, that the winner of this contest would have would have been on this stand and everybody would have been applauding and this wreath would have been placed upon their head. And it was this, this vision that they were running to that they were training toward that they were directing their lives toward vision is so important Paul said I'm running not to get a wreath that's going to perish right and and some of us I don't know have you have you had trophies and stuff uh, you know that you thought those were like the biggest things when you were growing up it's like you know I mean my mom still has some of those trophies at at, 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 uh, her house and I'm like mom good grief throw these things away i mean you know it's not like i want them right i mean you know i mean at the time it seemed like a big deal right paul said my vision is not a wreath that somebody's going to put on your head and the crowd's going to applaud He says, I'm running for Aretha, imperishable, the reward and the the well-done, good and faithful servant from my God, from my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you have a vision, it gives meaning and purpose to self-control. Discipline without vision soon becomes drudgery. And and some of us know drudgery, right? You do the same old thing in the same old way, day after day after day, and it seems like sometimes we ask, what's the point? what is the point of this right it doesn't it doesn't tie into anything of significance or importance and it soon becomes drudgery discipline without vision soon becomes drudgery nobody wants to show up to practice if there's never a game to play if there's never a contest to compete in right you have to have some vision along the way it's been said that if i lose my why then i lose my way when I lose my why, I lose my way. I, one of the reasons that I, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of have that blow up. Somebody says, boy, they were, they were running so well and they were doing so well in this area of their life. And then, man, it just exploded. What happened? I mean, they just blew it. What happened? I think they lost their why. When you lose that vision, when you lose that purpose, when you lose your why, you lose your way. It may very well be that there's an area in your life where you're struggling with self-control right now because it's not connected to a vision. It's not connected to a why, something bigger than just the pleasure of the moment. Florence Chadwick is a long-distance swimmer, and I remember hearing her story years ago. It was the 4th of July, 1952. She waded into the waters off the, the, the Catalina Islands, and she was going to swim to the California shore. And as she was setting out to do that, unfortunately on that day, it was not only chilly waters, but it was thick fog. Now, she was a very accomplished swimmer, a very accomplished long-distance swimmer. She had, had already swum the, swum the English Channel both directions successfully. So th- this was not her first rodeo by any stretch of the imagination. She had been training for this. But as she dipped into those icy waters, she began to swim and had boats that were accompanying her. And they had rifles to scare off the sharks and that sort of thing. I mean, this was an orchestrated event. But she swam and swam, but the fog never broke that day. And it was so thick that she could barely see the the boats that were accompanying her along the way. And finally, after about 15 hours, she couldn't take any more. And she said, get me out of the water. And her trainer was saying, oh, you're only about a half a mile away. Don't give up. Don't give up. She said, I I can't keep going on. And later, as she reflected on it, she said, I I don't want to make an excuse. She said, but I, I feel like if I could have just seen land, if I could have just seen the land, I might have made it. Interestingly enough, two months later, Florence Chadwick walked off the same beach into the same channel and swam that distance setting a new speed record because there wasn't any fog that day. What was the difference? She could see. She could see. Some of you lose your way because you've lost your why. One of the ways you cooperate with God in developing self-control is by renewing that vision. What is the vision that God has for your life? What is the vision that God has for your relationship? What is the vision that God has for your finances? What is the vision for the legacy that God wants to to, to leave through your life? God, God, what is your vision for my family? When you have that vision, when you have that why, then you have that motivation. Then you have that empowerment to keep you walking in your way. Otherwise, it's just gonna become drudgery and eventually you're gonna lose your way along the way. It begins with vision, but it includes delayed gratification. It includes delayed gratification. That's what this marshmallow test was all about, right? It was a test of delayed gratification. Can you say no to something right now in order to say yes to something better? Can an athlete in training for these games say no? No to certain things so that he can say yes she can say yes to something greater along the way that's the essence of delayed gratification it's a willingness to say no to a present pleasure in order to say yes to a future reward no to a present pleasure in order to say yes to a future reward so when the athlete the alarm clock goes off in the morning and it's time to go to the pool or go to the track or go to the weight room or the gym or the, 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 the wherever it may be You say no to hitting the snooze button. You say no to sleeping in today because I'm tired. You say no because you have a bigger yes. A yes that you're pursuing. It ties in again with vision why do you say no to, to that food that looks so good and so delicious because you're trying to say yes to being able to shave a little time off your your, your speed or or jump a little higher or whatever it may be in the particular event you're competing in and, and so paul talked about uh, he talked about exercising control in all things i discipline my body and keep it under control he's talking about this principle of delayed gratification someone said discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now an athlete who most wanted that wreath, most wanted that, that victory, most wanted to beat the competition. When you understand what you mo- want most, it'll help you to choose that over what you want now. Do you know what you want most in life? Do you know what is most important to you? When you crystallize those things, it helps you to say no to a present pleasure in order to say yes to a future reward. I heard it said years ago, and it's just been one of those statements that, that stuck with me. It said the, 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 the secret to being able to say no is a stronger yes. When you have something that's a stronger yes in your life, goes back to vision. You have the capacity to delay gratification because there's something that you want most over what you want now it's delayed gratification But also, I cooperate with God when I engage in advanced decision-making. In advanced decision-making. Advanced decision-making says, if I'm going to exercise self-control in areas of my life, particularly if it doesn't come easily or naturally, I'm going to have to make some decisions in advance. And this includes priorities. What is most important? What is most important right now? What are those things that are going to help me move forward toward this vision? Vision. What are the things that are going to perhaps take me away from that? And so I begin to say, these are the things that are most important. I have priorities in my life. And I also begin to put in place strategies along the way. What, what is my strategy? If this is my priority, what is a strategy to help me to get that way? I, I don't wake up in the morning and try to decide that. If it's an area, the athlete in training for the Olympics, or in this case, the Isthmian Games, wouldn't just kind of say, oh, I wonder if I should get out of bed this morning. no, 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 no. They already know, right? They know. They know what they're going to do. they establish this priority. They have a strategy. Today, we're working on this, this, and this. In the morning, it's this. And we eat this. In the afternoon, it's this. This is how much rest we get. All of these things in place. And then it ends up showing up on a schedule. So it involves scheduling, scheduling. When am I going to do this? Morning, evening? When is this going to show up in my life? If you say something's important, where does it show up on your schedule? That 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 is so key. Yeah, unless it has a place, unless it has a place on your calendar, it's not likely to happen. And, and so again, keep going back. What do I want to see happen in my family? What do I want to see happen in my personal life? What do I want to see happen in my finances? What what are those priorities? Well, what's the strategy that's going to help me to get there? Uh when, when in the world of finances, we call that a budget, right? a uh, budget. I, I, I kind of already make decisions in advance. I think Dave Ramsey talks about telling your money where to go in advance so you don't, at the end of the month, wonder where it went, right? You have a plan on the front end. And scheduling, how is that going to show up in your calendar along the way? Even, even when I was working with students years ago and talking about dating and stuff, talked about, you know, you've got to make some advanced decisions, you got to make advanced decisions because if you try to make a decision in the moment, you may not make a wise one. You, you kind of have to say, what are the priorities? What's the priority for my relationship? Now, what's the priority for a future relationship that I want to have? Well, what, what's my strategy? How am I going to handle this? Are there places I'm not going to go? Are there things I'm not going to do just because it wouldn't be a wise? It wouldn't be strategic along the way. Now how am I going to put some of these things in place in advance? so that I don't find myself stumbling in the moment because I haven't made decisions in advance. Andy Andrews said self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do something you don't necessarily want to do to get a result you would really like to have. You decide in advance this is the result that I would really like to to have and in order to get there there may be some things that I don't necessarily want to do in the moment in the short term but I do want to do them when I think about them against the backdrop of the result I would really like to have it begins with vision It includes delayed gratification and advanced decision-making. These are all things that God's Spirit empowers me and enables me to do that. The one way I can cooperate with God in this area of self-control. But fourthly, it demands the development of positive habits. It demands the development of positive habits. Weekend warriors don't win the Olympics, right? I mean, just kind of showing up, uh, you know, one, one weekend uh, every other month and saying, I'm here to compete at the highest level, it doesn't work. If you want to compete at the highest level, it, it involves daily choices. It involves the development of positive habits. You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. Please hear me. Well, let me just bring this even to your walk with the Lord listen we 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 love camps we love mission trips we love what god does in some of those catalytic moments but if you if you're just depending upon that big moment and that alone you're not going to experience all the transformational power of god in your life you'll never get the change in your life until you change something you do daily it's those daily choices along the way that either take me in the direction of what god wants to see happen in my life or help me to drift away from that direction in my life i love the way that that john maxwell talks about it he said the problem is that most of us have uphill dreams and downhill habits right we have uphill dreams and he he goes on to teach that anything worthwhile is uphill and we have all these uphill hopes and uphill dreams and all these things we want in our life but then we look at our schedule we look at our daily habits and those are downhill habits and downhill habits will never take you to an uphill destination and so I have to come back, and on that on that most uh, practical level, just say, God what does this look like daily? If this is an area where I need to grow in my capacity to exercise self-control, God, what does that look like on a daily schedule? What, 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 What does that look like? How do I begin to develop those habits? What resources do I need to access? What time do I need to go to bed? What time do I need to get up? Whatever it may be along the way, it demands the development of positive habits, things that I choose to do daily along the way. And and part of that may be even just even the environment that that you create, the environment that you create so that there's some things that help. There are some things that help that along the way. And this goes back even to advanced decision-making, right? So let me just use, use myself as an example. What I know is that if there are Oreo cookies and peanut M&Ms hanging out at the house, i'm in trouble all right uh, i mean i don't know about you but oreo cookies and peanut m&m speak to me right they do they, they, they can be in the pantry with the door closed i can still hear them i can still hear them. yeah yeah and i always answer yes <laughs> here i come just one at a time (laughs) right yeah if i keep buying that stuff and stocking the pantry with that stuff i'm in trouble all right that's a downhill habit (laughs) it's not going to take me to an uphill destination so advanced decision making is i can't i can't buy that stuff i can't have it around the house very often all right What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? It demands the development of positive habits. Two more. Five, the development of spirit-enabled self-control is helped by accountability and encouragement. It's helped by accountability and encouragement. You and I were never intended to go it alone. And again, think about this athletic imagery, if you will. Think about how many world-class athletes have coaches, and trainers. And people who handle some of their business stuff. And people who take care of the logistics and all of those things. I mean, a lot of these folks have a team of folks. So, yes, you see that man or that woman on the diving board or on the track or on the court or the field or whatever it is. What you may not see is all of the structure around them. All of the people who are a part of that. Because what world-class athletes come to realize is that talent alone is not enough talent alone is rarely enough that you have to have good coaching you have to have folks so they hire nutritionists and all these other things and folks that have specialties somebody with strength and somebody with flexibility and on and on and on it goes right yeah. and they have all of these things why because they know if they're going to achieve their best they can't do it alone can i just encourage some of you today there may be an area of your life where Self-control is just, you say, this is where the beach ball keeps popping up. This is where I, I just, I lose control. It may very well be that one of the missing ingredients is accountability and encouragement. That's what the body of Christ is for. God never intended for you and I to go it alone, but to always do it in community. Self-control is not alone, but it is in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It is in partnership and community with the body of Christ. That's why I love Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. I always come back to these verses for encouragement myself. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. In an area of your life where maybe you're struggling with self-control, who's your partner? Who's your encouragement? Who's checking in with you? Who's there to to help you along the way? Who's coaching you? Who's mentoring you? Who's training you? Whatever it might be. Sometimes we just need to open ourselves up to that incredible resource God's given us through other people. It's helped by accountability and encouragement. But I also want you to remember, it's an ongoing process immersed in grace. It is an ongoing process that is immersed in grace. When we're talking about self-control, sometimes we can we quickly get into kind of a legalism, right? Uh, that we, we would think, oh, you know, it's got to be this, 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 and it's got to be all these things. And, and, and some of us put such pressure on ourselves along the way. But it's grace. It's grace from beginning to end. Self-control is initiated by grace. It's it's directed by grace. It's empowered by grace. It's sustained by grace. God says it's going to be completed by grace. He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is all by his grace. I mean, forgiveness makes a future possible, doesn't it? I mean, if if we were always prisoners of our past, we would never grow in our capacity for self-control and self-discipline. But God says, I set you free. I set you free from your past. I want to empower your present. I want to give you a future and a hope along the way. He he enables us to do that by his grace. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. And I just want to maybe give some of you that encouragement today because some of us have some perfectionist tendencies. And we just flat out beat ourselves up in any area of our life where where we're struggling with self-control. And what I'm going to just encourage you to do is just, by God's grace, think progress, not perfection. Yeah, the, the, uh, there are areas that all of us struggle with. God, I need your grace. I need your directing grace, empowering grace, sustaining grace. Maybe I need your initiating grace today. I certainly need your completing grace today. God, God I, I need you in that. And, and celebrate the progress, even if you're not yet perfect along the way. It is by God's grace. And and whenever I talk about this, there's always a little bit of pushback because you're you're talking on this subject of self-control and and things we can do. And sometimes people say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're talking about grace, but then you're talking about all this stuff that sounds like kind of works in the sense of these things that we do, our effort that we exert and all of those things. And I say, Absolutely because that's what the scripture teaches please hear me this morning some of you have heard me teach this before but please hear me this morning as a reminder for the first time grace is not opposed to effort grace is opposed to earning grace is not the opposite of effort grace is the opposite of earning grace never removes effort Paul talks about that again and again in his letters. The Philippians, he talked about, I strain forward. He he talks about that, that, that pushing ahead, that agonizing along the way. Paul was a champion of grace, but he knew effort. But it was effort enabled and empowered by grace. Grace does not negate effort. Grace enables effort. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. I don't earn God's love or earn God's favor. It's only given by grace. But that grace infuses me with the desire and the capacity to exercise self-control. Let me try to tie some of this together with the words of D.A. Carson, and then I want you to imagine with me for a moment. People do not drift toward holiness, D.A. Carson wrote. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. Grace says you can change. Grace says you can exercise spirit-enabled self-control, but you do have to exercise it. You do have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you as I close this morning to think what if, what it would look like, what did it look like for you to exercise spirit-enabled self-control on the relationships in your life? What difference would it make in your marriage? What difference would it make in your family? What difference would it make in your work environment if you were a man or a woman of spirit-enabled self-control? What pain would be avoided? What good things would happen in your life? What would self-control look like in your walk with the Lord? What would it look like in the area of your finances? What would it look like in the area of your health? What would it look like for you to be a man or woman who has spirit enabled self control not perfection but definite progress along the way what difference might it make in your life in your relationships in your family in your future that's the picture of what God can do through spirit enabled self control Let's go before him in prayer together, please. Oh, Father, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Father, that you have given us this capacity. Uh, a capacity to exercise self-control. It's part of the, the image of God that you have created in us. It's part of the enablement and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we, we all do it so imperfectly and we, just, we, we come readily and admit that. Father, there are areas where, where it seems to be no problem and no struggle. And other areas where, where, where maybe the struggle is so intense. Uh, for some, it's the tongue. For some, it's a, it's a habit. For some, it's time. For some, maybe it's in the area of, uh, uh, of sexuality. For some, it's the area of finances. Uh, on and on and on the list could go, Father. Uh, just, uh, Lord, just, uh, would you just would you just help us to understand, Lord, where it is that you desire to lift our life through self-control. Lord, would you just grant us a, a new vision, of what our life what our families what our relationships could look like if we lived with spirit enabled self control and as we just spend a few moments now sitting before